Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? It's your man, James, from Diner Talks with James. I'm excited to be here. Should I stick with the normal opening? How you doing? Welcome to Diner Talks with James. I'm James. I never know if it gets redundant. I never, just always, always cycling through my head. What a what a spiral, y'all. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm so excited for you all to be here, kicking it in the diner booth with me. Hope you like the 57 Chevy I parked outside. That's right, y'all. We out here. Cue the Elvis Presley music. I don't know what's happening so far in this episode, but I'm having a good time, and I'm excited that you're with me. My friend Andrea Belke is joining me in just a minute. I'm super excited for you to get to kick it with us while we chill here in the diner. My friends, if you could do me a huge favor, I want you to think about an episode that you listened to that meant something to you. Could you share that with a friend? That would be incredibly helpful. If there was an episode that spoke to you or made you laugh or whatnot that you think another friend would love, that would be so cool if you could share that with them, however you want to share that with them. Uh, we're trying to get this thing to grow, and this is the way that we do it. I, I'm a firm believer um, that the word of mouth is the best way. As much as I like buying Instagram ads and giving my money to giant corporations that don't care about me, this is my preferred method of advertising. So if you could share with a friend, that would be incredible, y'all. All right, y'all, let's jump into this episode. Coming on the stage in just a moment, Andrea Belke. She's originally from Wisconsin, now lives back in Wisconsin and stopped in New York City for about 10 years in between. That's where she and I met. She's an avid fan of a hip-hop improv team that I created called North Coast, and we became really great friends. And y'all, we had some great meals down in New Orleans a couple of years ago, slurping on oysters and eating crawfish covered waffles. I don't even know what we were eating. It was New Orleans. It's all good food, so it doesn't matter. We'll probably talk a little bit about that. Um, but uh you may know her because she has been on the TV show Survivor three times because once is boring. We've all been on it once, y'all. Am I right? Okay, great. She's been on it three times, though, and is a boss. Um, so if you're a fan of that show, then you probably know who she is. Um, she's currently working for People Magazine and does a lot of hosting online. Just had a great interview that she posted with Tiffany Haddish. She's an incredible human being who is also a proud grandmother to some sheep. Let's bring her out right now, Andrea Belke. Oh my gosh, James. That intro, pretty great. Come through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was wonderful. Thank you. I oh, am a grandmother you. to some lambs because that's now what I do in Wisconsin is I have a little flock of sheep and they make me very happy. Yeah, that's perfect. A flock <laughs> of sheep. You are truly little Bo Peep. Uh, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's amazing. And I love it because, uh, you know, Wisconsin, I'm in Minnesota, as you know, uh, and uh, we are now in lake country out here. And it's fun because you live by a lake called Random Lake, uh, which is the perfect name. It's really kind of all lakes are random lakes. And but you live by the one that's named that. Uh, yes. I went to, <laughs> I went to Random Lake High School. It's funny because growing up, I didn't think it was a weird name. Yeah. 
And then it wasn't until moving away from Wisconsin that everyone kept saying random, like that's random and making jokes about it. And I never even put much thought into it because that's just all I knew. Yep. And now you now you know that you're from a town that is a home <laughs> to unoriginal jokes for the rest of your yeah. life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Happy to contribute to the problem, Andrea. Happy to. Uh, <laughs> hey, James, where, okay, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Long Island, New York. Grew up in Sayville, halfway between uh, the city and the Hamptons. Okay. Because I was in the intro, I heard you say y'all a lot. So I didn't know if that was something you picked up along the way or... Yeah. Yeah, I went to school in the South. I spent seven years mm-hmm. in the South and picked up the word y'all, but I refused to say it, Andrea, the entire time I was down there. I would not give in. All right. As a matter of fact, I think I had a thicker New York accent when I lived down South than I did when I lived in New York, just because I needed to let people know to wash their mouths over here. But then afterwards, <laughs> I picked up y'all because let's be honest, it's very efficient and it's also extremely inclusive. So now I use it a lot. It's you're right. It is inclusive because they're now saying you guys, a lot of people don't like that. And that Mm -hmm. was a thing that people were saying. So y'all includes everybody. I think it's great. I I don't think I can start using y'all because I never did. So I feel like it would sound (laughs) fake coming from me, but I don't know. I could try it. I recently got into an argument with somebody from Wisconsin because they were upset with me saying bag in a neutral way Mm. because around here you say big because it's the Wisconsin accent and they were upset with me for changing big to bag they were (laughs) legitimately upset they're like no it's big I'm like yes but everyone else says bag that's just how it is it's okay for me to neutralize my Wisconsin accent because mine used to be very very strong well you get your big and you go on your boat with your casserole and you have a great day you get your mom and dad in the big, and oh, it's going to be a great time. Oh, for, yeah. oh, for cute. Um. <laughs> no, but I love, I think the Wisconsin accent is very cute. Now I'm afraid oh, that my Wisconsin it. friends are going to be upset with me for making fun of them, but they make fun of themselves. So they do. They do. Yeah. And I have a, I, I mean, I, to say that I have a strong following in Wisconsin is an understatement. It's incredible. <laughs> so you just offended a lot of people, but it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I mean, moving to Minnesota, I have, uh, it's been a great practice lesson because Grammy, Grammy's got the accent, my my wife's uh, grandmother, and they're just out here making the hot dish, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm out for it. But here's the thing, like coming out here, cheese is maybe one of the closest things I have to religion in my life. And so <laughs> moving out here has been incredible because it's literally on everything. Things that cheese doesn't belong on, it's on, and I'm excited about it. That I mean, I eat cheese every day. I think that's yeah. pretty normal. Yeah, for Is sure. That normal everywhere or just in the Midwest? Uh, I believe the copious amount of cheese here, I believe, I believe it is something that is, it's just more proudly talked about and more proudly everywhere, right? Like there, there are more restaurants that that I go to that have three cheeseburgers here than right. Not like three individual cheeseburgers, like three cheeses on the burger. Um, whereas before when I ordered that back East, I had to order it special and I did it anyway. And my family, we grate cheese on everything. Everything on vegetables, on Mm -hmm. 
on popcorn. And I mean, I don't know. I guess that's probably normal for people around here. But mm. I love cheese. I love string cheese. That's my favorite. String cheese is a classic. Yeah, for sure. That's my uh, that's Tina's comfort food for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, do you have uh, do you have any fun food quirks? Anything that you eat in a unique way or a unique manner? For example, like uh, for example, whenever I eat chocolate layer cake, I cut all the cake part out first and I leave the glorious icing walls to the end, and I eat all the icing in like in one foul swoop because I just love how rich and sweet it is. I don't know if I have any food quirks. I do, on the theme of cheese, I do eat string cheese everywhere. And I recently had a Survivor fan message me, and they mm-hmm. said that they saw me in New York. This was a couple <laughs> years ago. And I was waiting for the train eating string cheese. And they didn't want to bother me because I was eating cheese. And so mm-hmm. the, they told their mom, because their mom was with them, they're like, I can't, I can't bother her. She's eating cheese. And now it's an it's inside joke <laughs> with this son and mom. It's like, don't bother me. I'm eating cheese. And so it was kind of funny, just the image of me eating cheese in a dirty subway like ready to get on so maybe that's my food quirk i don't know (laughs) dare to eat after you touch the handrails on the way into the subway eating on the subway subway is pretty gross though i mean i've i've i have because you're always on the run in new york so i've ate salads on the subway i mean Mm -hmm. that is not that's not a a big egg and cheese on the subway for sure yeah Have you ever met somebody when they find a pe- when they have a string cheese, they'd say, I understand that I could pull this apart, but I'm just going to bite into it willy nilly and just like bite almost like it's a slim jim or a piece of jerky. Have you ever met somebody like that? No, but that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. (laughs) I've met met a few people, true savages, right? You got to watch out for the person with the neck tattoo and the guy who bites directly into the string cheese. Okay. I just thought of some food quirks. I don't have these food quirks, but my dad, the way he eats is just appalling. I mean, he will eat a piece of bread and then he'll take a slab of butter and put it in his mouth. I'm dead serious. (laughs) Or he'll he'll eat something. And then he'll pu- he'll pour the salt in his mouth. So it's after the fact that he puts the <laughs> butter or the salt on, or he he puts his hands in the jar of pickles, just like his dirty work hands. He works yeah. on a farm, and yeah. I have to have so many conversations with him now that I'm living back in Wisconsin and see my parents all the time. I'll have to say, Dad, you have to use a fork because no one's yeah. going to want to put their hands in the pickle jar after this. <laughs> There it is. And the things that you used to do, that was just normal. You would, you used to grab those pickles after your dad put his hands in there when you were younger. And now. Uh, <laughs> no, I did. That's why your immune not. system is so tough, Andrea. It's moments yeah, probably. like that. That's it. Puts hair in your chest, I think is what they say. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Now we've both spent a ton of time in New York. Um, do you have a favorite uh, late night diner move? Like, is there is there something that you like to order and eat late at night at diners? So when I think of diners, I think about my time in Astoria, mm-hmm. and there was definitely Mike's Diner, Neptune Diner. Neptune, yep. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, some classics. And something I was thinking about too is back in my early 20s, so I'm about to turn 32, but early 20s when I was out in New York, I was taking on every film project I could find, not paid, student films. And they would always film like, you know, upstate 
for I would basically be spending money to be in these films. And we would always end up at a diner at four in the morning after wrapping. And I would look around at all these people like, huh, this is an interesting moment. I'll probably never see these people again. But for that time, you had the deepest conversations because yeah. I feel like you can have deep conversations with friends, of course. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when it's a stranger that you probably won't see again, you just divulge everything. It's almost a test run. See yes. how that person reacts and then yeah. you can try it out on your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, I love that. Did you have a go-to meal when you were there, 4 a.m.? Are you, are you getting pancakes? Are you eating grilled cheese? What are you doing? Eggs. I love eggs. Eggs, okay. So fried, greasy eggs. There you go. Absolutely. Greasy, Usually the greasier, the better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's amazing. You know, you talked about doing uh, film and whatnot. You're obviously doing a lot of stuff on TV. Now you do a ton of media. Uh, you're with people. Mag. Yes. You're on survivor. Cool. 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 When did this all start though? Like when you were younger growing up on the farm uh, in, in Wisconsin, when was the moment that you were like turned on the TV and you said, that will be me one day. <laughs> or was that not the initial goal? Was the initial goal something else? You're like, I'm going to take over the family farm. Um, I, or, yeah. <laughs> I still could take over the family farm, honestly. I mean, with my flock of sheep, I'm halfway there. Clearly. I honestly don't know. I think I have a bad memory too, but I don't think I ever thought when I was growing up, I would work on TV or do anything like that. No. Now, somewhere during high school, I decided I wanted to go to school for theater. So I did make a decision, but honestly, I did a couple high school plays and was like, I'm going to be a stage actress. I think I just like decided on a whim. So I went to this school, this theater school. Well, it has the theater program in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And I got my BFA in acting. Honestly, though, I think I'm an okay actor. I don't think I ever truly clicked into it. Okay. I just felt it, it never felt completely right. I had a, I thought the training was great and I liked it, but I wasn't sure if I could really lose myself in a character like a lot mm -hmm. of people. Sure. Yeah. So then, but my, okay. So my junior year in college, I didn't make the play that I wanted to get into. And my mom saw that I was really upset. So she said, why don't you just try out for Survivor? And I was like, mom, that's totally different. That is not, it's apples and oranges here. Reality TV and, yeah. you know, a, a show I'm I wanted to I'm trying to be legitimate. I am an actress. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing a beret at the time for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, how dare you suggest that? I, I was a fan of Survivor, but more so casually with my parents. Yeah. My parents loved the show. They okay. applied themselves. They didn't get on. That was back in the day when we were sending actual tapes in, DVDs. So oh, now wow. everything's just online. So uh, on a whim, I applied for Survivor just to appease my mom. And I actually got on the show. I mean, this was many rounds of auditions and everything, but I almost didn't do it because I was afraid it was going to really hurt my acting career. Sure, yeah. So I was still taking acting seriously then. So I don't know. I played Survivor and then I moved out to New York. And then somewhere in there, I started getting more hosting work because I was, I was applying for everything because I'm yeah. very aggressive with my career. I just didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I was on... Every site you can imagine applying for jobs. I yeah. got a job on Craigslist that was for a commercial. I'm doing air quotes. Oh, no. And I went into this random, you know, it was just some 
weird building. I did the job. The check bounced. I mean, I was doing everything. Oh, no. I know. I was <laughs> really just trying to make something happen. Yeah. And then I started to slowly get these hosting jobs. And I realized I feel more confident as a host. I'm better. And so I transitioned from acting to hosting. And then, you know, there's so many things that happen to get to where I'm actually at today. But I slowly just felt my way through it and realized I'm much better at hosting. And this is what I should have been doing all along. That's fair. But you can't like go to school for hosting, right? Like, I mean, that's not really, that's, I mean, how would you have known that if you hadn't gone the path that you had gone on, right? I mean, you kind of had to get your feet wet a little bit in it. Yeah. I mean, acting def definitely helps okay, with hosting yeah, yeah. because you're faking a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't really be interested in every celebrity's dog and everything that they talk about. So there is some acting that goes into it and you have to keep your energy up and know how to present. So it yeah. definitely helps. You can go to school for broadcast journalism and communication yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I was first, in New York, I didn't even know there were a lot of hosting jobs, but there really are if you look. Anytime you go to a website and someone pops up and they're explaining something, that's a host. They were paid. You know, all of the entertainment outlets, they have like several hosts. They have just carpet hosts. They have people that do the hosting on the street. So there's actually a lot of work out there. Yeah. It's this whole side of things that you don't really necessarily consider when you're, when you have these TV dreams, it's not necessarily like I'm going to be the next Carson Daly. Um, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so uh, for sure, that is, that's so fun. So, so you did, you did a lot of acting growing up, right? You said you were in the, some of the high school plays and, and stuff like that while you were growing up, were you also getting your hands dirty on the farm and like, were you out there with the, with the big boots on walking around in the mud? And I mean, I'm not even sure what kind of farm you all have. Um, and, but yeah, were you kind of like mix mixing these two worlds? Fully farm girl. I mean, Fully I, did a, yeah, I did a lot of hard work on the farm growing up before school. Every day we were doing our chores. I was in 4-H. I don't know if you know okay, what that yeah, is. Yeah, sure. 4-H's. Yeah. So I was showing pigs and steers at the fair. I was going to horse shows. I was riding my horse and doing barrel racing and all of that. I mean, we were really put to work as kids. <laughs> like it was, it was fun because we were around our cousins and it became just the thing to do. But there was never a time where we could just be idle in the home. That's why I actually mm -hmm. didn't grow up watching a lot of TV because we couldn't just be sitting in the home doing nothing. We would be put to work. So my whole life growing up was on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. And at all times of year, there's something that you can be doing to prepare for whatever the next season is. Planting, um, Yeah, you're planting, yeah. then you're gathering, then you're bailing, then you're stacking, then you're cleaning out pens and manure. I mean, it's not glamorous <laughs> at all. Have you ever have you ever worked on a farm or been on a farm? Uh, been on been on a number of farms. Uh, I would say I've maybe done a total of an hour's work on a farm. Uh, so you know, yeah, but no, no not, not really. Growing up, growing up on Long Island, I mean, all the way out east, um, you know, in the Hamptons, there are there is some farming out there, which you don't only think about, but there is some farming out there. Um, and then I, I spent some time in upstate New York as well, um, in the Finger Lakes area, and there's a lot of, a lot of farming up there, a lot of dairy farms up there. I mean, it's crazy. A farmer's life is so intense because they're working nonstop. My dad was yeah. planting at three in the morning the other night. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what? You can't, this can't wait. But I guess with 
I, I can't even explain why, like how he has yeah. to be or why he has to be at 3 a.m. But something with when it was tills and everything. But it's it's a lot of work. It's kind of cool to hear about your dad's work ethic. Cause right. Like you just, you just got to do it, right. You just gotta, you gotta get out there. You gotta bury your head in. And then to also kind of rewind the tape a little bit and hear you talk about how I just got to New York. I just started applying for stuff. I don't care. It's a creepy warehouse. Yeah, I'm in, uh, right. Like going upstate New York and, and paying for my own rental car to get up there and lose money. Yeah. I'm in going over here and talking to so-and-so about this guy <laughs> making a move over here, whatever I'm in. Right. Like it's interesting that the work ethic, was passed on to you. Well, I think that's exactly why I am the way that I am is growing up. You could never be sitting still. You were always put to work and you just learn to put your head down, get the job done and keep going, keep going, keep going. Also, my mom and dad, they're both just busy bodies. Yeah. I mean, my mom is retired and she is the busiest person I know. I don't <laughs> even know what she's all doing, but she's just like she's doing three paintings a day and then she's tending the sheep and then she's doing that and she's she has a great social life and i'm over here like why well, don't i don't have any I even have any friends that <laughs> she stays so busy so i definitely get that from my parents and from growing up on the farm sometimes i wish i could scale it back it's actually really hard for me to relax yeah. it's hard for me to just put on a netflix show and lose myself in that show i always am thinking what can i be doing to further my career and it's it's a problem <laughs> something i'm actually <laughs> working on i got a therapist to try to learn how to relax mm -hmm. it's weird so it's it's a a blessing and a curse because i think i am where i'm at in my career because of how focused and driven i was and am but sometimes it'd be nice to you know just relax and stare off into the distance and think about nothing. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, I'm, we, I'm, we both have friends like that, um, that are fine. They're doing good. The word they use the word content in a good oh. way, right? Like in, in a, in a joyous way of like, I'm content. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what are you <laughs> content? Like, who, what are like, <laughs> Are you done, bro? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? The bird's done cooking. You took it out of the oven. Like, uh, like I, I, I have, uh, I've said on here a few times. Um, and it's really refreshing to hear you speak about it a little bit as well. But I, and, and when Doug Weidick was on here, also a mutual friend of ours, I was telling him about this, that I have these two warriors inside of me and they're constantly battling. And one is presence and the other is legacy. And legacy is pretty much always winning. Right. Like I live my life based on what I want to be said in my eulogy. And so I'm out here trying to live a badass story and do badass things. And so that also causes me to miss the moment that I'm currently in. And it's, it's really, and that's hard because I also pride myself in being a spontaneous, let's do something fun and let's be in the moment. Let's look at the beautiful view. Let's, you know, and it's, it's very interesting to have that, uh, that war inside of myself. Sounds like for you too. I relate to that so much. I would give anything to just be content. That's what I'm seeking. That's what I would love to be. I do think that in our industry, it is hard to be content because you're always trying to, you know, get the next rung wrong. Yeah. You're trying to further yourself. But I mean, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure there are people that are content, but still working in this industry. I don't know. I would like to pick their brain, but <laughs> I, I feel the same as you. I I want to have this great resume and just keep working. It also 
gives, gives me excitement to be working on new projects. But then I find when things are in a lull or slower, then I start to get very bored and bored always equals feeling low and sad and depressed. So that's why I stack my schedule and I'll put so many things in, in the future so that I'm like, okay, from this to this, to this, to this, but then I'll, have so many things lined up that I get anxiety because I can't fit them all in. So I found myself in this weird cycle, but yeah, yeah I relate to that so hard. <laughs> it's vicious. I also see, uh, see a therapist as well. And my, my therapist's current battle with me, uh, that she's losing by the way, um, <laughs> is why do I set my goals so high? Like, why do I set and why, and, and more, and, maybe even not necessarily the goals are unattainable. It's that the timeline that I want to hit them is unattainable. And so it's like, why are you not being fair to yourself? She's like, what role does grace play in your life? And I told her, listen, I don't know who grace is. I hooked up with her once. It was fine. It was fine. And then I kept it moving. Right. Like I'm not really hanging out with grace anymore. Okay. Um, and I just, I don't give myself any grace. Uh, and, uh, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it's a fascinating battle. It's one that I have to talk about a lot with my, with my partner, Tina. And also now that I'm a father, um, it's also like, I don't, I don't want to miss these moments, but yet I also don't want to, what could feel like throwing my own life away, right? And my own goals to sacrifice for this, right? It's like, that's not, that's not how you're supposed to, there's middle ground in there, James, but yet that's sometimes the way my brain sees it. And so that's what I'm trying to rewrite some of the language in my head on. Uh, I feel that I'm so similar to that because I'm trying to find this balance. I feel like I'm always living in the future because I'm mm -hmm. thinking of future scenarios and what will come next. And then I'm missing the present moment. Something I've been recently trying to do is just leave, leave my phone away from where I'm at uh -huh. and like leave it at my house, go out by the sheep and hang out there for a couple hours. And I start to like find myself again because a lot of my stuff is coming from my phone. Like the, the mm -hmm. problem is I'll look at my phone. I'm like, oh man, that host is doing that. How do I get that? Okay. Maybe I should talk to my agent and then like figure that out or, <laughs> oh, should I be like posting something more? Or I just feel like I'm living on my phone and I'm living on this in this future land. And so I'm trying to disconnect more, which obviously, as you know, is very, very, very difficult. I mean, whoever's listening to this is on their phone, but I'm trying to find <laughs> Got him. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Just, I think balance is key. And yeah. it seems like we're both trying to find that balance. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's tell the rest of the world how to do it then. And then maybe we'll listen to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's I uh, built a career over giving advice that I don't follow. Uh, yeah, I it's, it's working out pretty well, um, you know, financially. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the it's it's also cool because you and I, along the same line, you and I also left the New York at a similar time, like within, I don't know, six, six, six months of each other or something like that. Um, and, uh, and we both headed Midwest, you headed home. I headed to, uh, to Tina's home. And, uh, there's also something about New York that is, it's like having, being in New York is like having a phone on you at all times because you're constantly seeing this happening and that happening and you're watching people hustle and you're watching the energy around you. And there's, there's a lot of beauty in it. And I miss the hustle. I miss the pace. I miss the energy. 
but I would also be a fool to not only also say that like, maybe this is healthier for me, especially in this stage of my life, but I don't like saying that out loud. So I'll probably edit this part out. But the thing <laughs> is, is that, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that there is something to be said for coming to a place where one can go outside and see some sheep and spend some time tending to them to actually have that space, right? There's finding that in New York city is really hard. It is rough. I was finding myself very, very lonely. I did live by myself, mm -hmm. but I had so many friends in New York and so many things to do, yet I still found this loneliness. And I think part of it was being so far from my family and feeling like I was missing out from being at home with my family. So in a way, the pandemic did allow me to figure out what a life back here would look like. Yeah. And I I think I am happier back in Wisconsin. Look I think out. that I, I think I know. Watch out! But I think I have more tools here, and I have more places to escape. And I can mm. go for a long drive. I can go on our farm, on our land. And you know how New York is—you go back after a long day to a probably small, dark apartment, right? Yep. Mm. Like a small window, you know, and you just feel really alone and. It, look, I love New York. It is the coolest place mm -hmm. in the world. I just think mentally it wasn't the best for me. Now, whether or not I'm going back, it's kind of up in the air. My life's a big question mark, like most people right now. But coming back to Wisconsin gave me a lot of perspective, especially when it comes to career, too, because I actually lost my daily people job when I came back. Mm -hmm. And I was having this crisis because I was defining myself by my job. And especially when I was in New York, I didn't have yeah. anything else. Like I went to work. I thought about work. I did premieres. I did carpets. And then I went back to bed and like prepped for the next day and, and then did social things. But I found here I was I had to accept that I lost my job. I did not know that people was going to re rehire me for another job. But for this moment, I thought, oh, my gosh, everyone is going to you know, look at me and laugh and say, oh, she lost her people job. Now what? Guess what? No one cares. <laughs> like nobody cares. <laughs> Everyone's in their own world. You know, yeah. If anything, they saw my Instagram post and said, oh, well, she had some great memories there. Wonder what we'll <laughs> do next. Can't wait. I mean, no one is really judging you that hard except for maybe your haters. And then those people are just jealous of you. So mm -hmm. I, for the, for the weeks and actually probably months that I thought I would have to figure out a backup plan. I got some new skills. I started filming and editing with my sister who has a videography business. Uh -huh. I'm now, uh, I filmed a wedding by myself. So I was panicking and came up with a whole new career. Uh, not to take away from the people that are actually really good at that job, but you know, <laughs> I, I was able to kind of like work with my sister and come up yeah. with this backup plan and not define myself by one job. Wow. That's beautiful. And that's hard to do, right? I mean, uh, pivoting at any point is hard. And I hate that word. Screw you, 2020, for ruining it for all <laughs> of us. Um, but it is, uh, it is, it's super hard. And one thing that I love that you said was that Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, you have more tools, right? More tools to, uh, to find peace, to find happiness, to find grace, to find whatever it is that, you know, we're all looking for. And, and, uh, and that, that's powerful to say. And I think sometimes we take for granted 
the tools that are around us uh, because we're constantly looking forward instead of like, oh, wait, this could bring me happiness. This could bring me happiness, even if temporarily. Um, and I love what you said. And it caused you to your vision to open up. And all of a sudden you're doing this wedding photography, videography um, type business. And that's uh, that's incredible. Uh, it's also humbling, right, to be like, I was doing this and now I'm doing this. And it's interesting the way we in society rank careers or rank prestige or rank, uh, you know, what people should be proud of, but it's bullshit. Right. Um, and, but it is interesting because a lot of times I know, I know I have, and I kind of hear you doing a little bit too. We buy into it a little bit, right? Like you, when you were saying like, Oh, look what that host is doing. How could I do that? Right. I'm doing the same thing over here, right? Like I'm out here watching comedians in cars, getting coffee and Letterman's, uh, 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 my next guest. And I'm like, I want to create a show. That's both of those things. I want to have really deep conversations in diners and get it filmed. Right. And so I'm always like, how do they get here? What can I do this? How can I figure this out? Where are some ways to get more followers, to get more clout, to get more, how can I meet a producer? Right. Like, um, because, while doing all that, I'm also missing opportunities around me uh, that are happiness inducing like tomorrow, right? Not just like, what do I need to build to, to eventually have happiness? And I, yeah, I thought it was really powerful the way you spoke about that. Wow. I, I'm glad that you thought that way. Cause I just felt like I was rambling. <laughs> like I, I seriously <laughs> finished my thought and I thought that was really rambling. <laughs> So thank you for turning it into a positive. (laughs) With our powers combined, Andrea. Uh, (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned earlier and and even when we were just talking about that idea of hosting um, and being a host. Do you think is that is that the current goal? Would you love to be a host in uh, bigger venues. I'm, I'm not even sure, you know, where you would want Like, do you want to eventually be a game show host? Do you want to, like, when you think of hosts that are, that are very famous, right? You think of your Carson Daly's and your Ryan Seacrest and your, uh, you know, like there's other individuals that we could think of that also have bad hair. Uh, like there's so many folks, right? But um, I'm wondering for you, what, what is the goal right now? That's a great question because I'm, trying to explore what the goal is because I'm also, as we've been talking about, trying to find happiness and being a little more content. Does my career equal happiness? And I am not sure it does. I find myself really frustrated with the industry and all my insecurities come out. Whereas when I was filming weddings with my sister, it was pure happiness and just, I don't know, it brought out magic. And granted, it was a new skill that I was learning. So there was different types of excitement there. But I yeah. love interacting with people and making them feel beautiful on their special day. And um, I just feel I, I try not to plan too far ahead because before my job at People, I honestly didn't know anything about pop culture. Truly. Talk about <laughs> imposter syndrome. I got the job randomly. Is Honestly, I didn't know anything. So I would have to study before every day. Like, okay, how do you say uh, Chrissy Teigen? Like, I just didn't know like any, any celebrities. It was yeah. nuts. So I try not to plan too far ahead, but I did finally find something I'm good at. And I'm very confident in my hosting, which it took me my entire life to find something I was that confident in. I was never that confident in acting. I always thought I would walk away from things being like, 
I have no idea if that was good. But now, <laughs> we, seriously, now with hosting, I know I can go into an audition and nail it. And yeah. it just depends what they're looking for. I can do a job and I can nail it. And obviously it's subjective. Some people might just find me annoying and that's fine. But mm -hmm. I know that I can do it to my best, of my, the best of my ability. So yes, I would love to have a full-time job at Good Morning America. I do yeah. monthly, I do monthly segments on GMA. So of course that would be a dream scenario. I have been doing this new show it's called celebrity homes unlocked where mm -hmm. we're interviewing celebrities in their homes and like i'm not that into interior design uh this is a podcast but if you could see this room i'm basically living like a dorm student <laughs> i'm sleeping i'm sleeping on a futon truly uh no offense to anyone else that sleeps on futons but uh design is not my forte but i I am very confident in my hosting. And so I would love to keep on this path as long as I can find the balance we were talking about because I get a little too wrapped up and my anxiety just gets crazy. And uh, so in 2019, before the pandemic hit, I was finding myself with a lot of what I was calling brain fog. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had brain fog, but it felt like this uh, fog on your brain where I couldn't think, I, I basically had a hard time articulating anything. Uh, my vision was blurry and it was really scary. I was always in a panic because I felt like there was something wrong. I got MRIs. I was getting everything tested. I went to the doctor so many times in 2019. The pandemic happened. I moved back to Wisconsin. I have not had brain fog since. So I think it was anxiety. So there was something about being in New York and maybe being in the studio that was giving me this anxiety that I didn't necessarily feel, but it was yeah. manifesting itself in this brain fog. And I actually, because when I tell people about brain fog and they've never had it, it's hard to really understand what it is. But I put something on my Instagram stories and I had hundreds of people reach out and say that they've had it before. And it was a, you know, a myriad of possibilities of what could cause it. But I think a lot of it was anxiety. So if Wisconsin is getting rid of my brain fog, it might be telling me something. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, went, I just went on like a whole nother ramble. Arnor, you asked, Arnor, one, Arnor. Question. <laughs> you asked one question and I was like, you know, and then in 2019. <laughs> but that's the power of a great question, right? It just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it was a great question, but it was. Um, but the uh, thing is, is that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've also had some brain fog before. I've also had a... Uh, I've also had like a panic attack. Um, I think I've had a couple of those in my life and I've had, uh, I've had a little bit of what you were talking about. I, I'm not to the extent that you have, uh, that you just described. And, uh, I think it is so hard to, uh, to get over that, especially when you think you're doing something that's bringing you joy. Right. Uh, or, and, and you're like, well, this is making me happy, but the future of it. And I mean, anxiety is something that I feel like we're talking a lot about now, right? Depression is something we talked about and it still needs to get talked about, but I feel like anxiety was like depression's like awkward cousin that everybody's <laughs> like, I also have this right. Um, where depression was in the spotlight and now anxiety is really, uh, has really risen to the top, uh, especially with the way social media has, has everybody thinking about what they're not doing enough or what they should be doing or could be doing, right? Um, anxiety is a lot about what is what is coming, not what has happened. And so, uh, and, and 
I have my, my, my psychiatrist uh, or counselor, whatever she likes to be called, um, is, uh, also told me that I have some anxiety as well with just how much I worry about the future. You can hear it in the way that I spoke about it earlier. Um, and I love how open and honest that you were about it and moving back to Wisconsin. It's funny the way our bodies talk to us and the way our bodies are like, Hey, yeah, no, this is nice. This is good. Um, right. Like, <laughs> and whether it's, and whether it's just that moment, whether it's just some, Hey, we, I need a few months in Wisconsin a year, or if it's more, who knows, right? The pandemic, everything is weird right now, but I think it's powerful that you felt it in your body, this shift. Yeah. And I feel like I'm okay with admitting maybe I'm not strong enough to live in New York by myself at this point in my life mm -hmm. because I'm such a people person, such an extrovert. I get lonely very easily. I get super attached to people that I date because I'm codependent. And like that, those are just things I know about myself now. Mm -hmm. I didn't always know those things. And although I am trying to work myself away from being codependent and being so needy and attached all the time, <laughs> it's still, you know, if I know that about myself, well, okay, for now, let's just let myself be that way. And living by myself in New York was not great for me. And so if I do move back to New York, which is something I'm considering, at least part-time, sure. figuring out some situation, I'm going to have a roommate, my friend. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to finally admit things about yourself that you were maybe embarrassed about in the past. And you, who cares what anyone else thinks, you know? Amen. Amen. But it's, it's easier said than done, <clears throat> excuse me, easier said than done to get there. And you did the work or doing the work to get to that place to know, no, this is what I need. If I'm going back, I know I need to do it differently. And here's what I've learned. Uh, and that's awesome. And uh, shout out to you admitting that you're codependent in relationships as well, because that's something that's, it's important to know about oneself. Um, right. And, and no, nothing wrong with being a stage five clinger. And uh, <laughs> well, no have you ever, you <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of am, but have you ever read anything about attachment theory? I have a little bit. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually have, I'm reading the book right now. It's just called attached, but it's really interesting. And I, I figured out I had anxious attachment and mm. it like to a T. And so basically in a nutshell, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to explain a book. I haven't completed yet, but it just means that in relationships, I have anxiety about the person leaving or about them not coming back to me. And mm. even though that's not, you know, it's weird because when I'm single, I feel very independent and confident. And then when I'm interested in someone, I'm like, it's all like exciting and sexy. And then once I'm in a relationship, I become this like anxious attached person <laughs> where I'm like, I have to see them every day. Uh, so that's something I know I have. And I think also because I do go through a lot of things myself with depression and anxiety, when I have someone, I rely on them to help me through it, which I don't want to do because that's not that person's job. It, ideally, someone will be there for you, but I want to figure it out myself and not throw it on my partner. I'm so sorry to all my exes that are listening to this. I'm sorry for all the times <laughs> they threw all my shit onto you. But it's funny because uh, all of your exes is actually a big portion of my listener base. So I really thank you. Thank you for that. It is now. Um, I'm sure none of them. <laughs> Um, but, you know, if you learn that about yourself, if you're anxious or avoidant or secure, if you have those types of attachments, then you can kind of modify um, and work towards something else. So ideally, you'd be secure attachment. Yeah.
Yeah, for sure. As someone who uh, I believe the best drug that I've ever taken in my life is validation. Um, and I can't get enough of it. Right. And that's <laughs> something that it's something that men don't admit enough of that they need validation, that they want validation. Right. But it is something that is deeply ingrained within men. We can tell that by the way that they often act, why they often choose moments where they're going to be cool instead of great, just to get some sort of validation. Um, and, and it's something that I struggle with as well. And so I know that I put it on my partners um, or have put it on and currently still put it on Tina to uh, to validate me every once in a while. And sometimes that looks like her complimenting me and me not just taking it, but instead being like, well, why'd you say that? Oh my God. Well, why was that a thing? Well, now, well, yeah, but yeah, well, like, but, but when you think about it, like I really do this and I'm kind of like this. So you probably actually don't, you shouldn't really compliment me about that. Right. You know what I mean? But meanwhile, like, I just want like, no, here's why. And here's why. And here's why. Right. And it's so interesting uh, that, and I'm not something I'm not proud of for sure, but something that, you know, Tina and I have had to talk about where she's like, I'm allowed to love you because I love you. I don't need to have 9 million reasons locked and loaded for I love you because point one a boop, right like <laughs> right and so yeah it's it's interesting oh my gosh i had that reaction because i'm the same way i will i will let's say i text my boyfriend for example and i'm basically kind of baiting him what did you think about that episode that i sent you of the of the new show and then he'll be like oh i thought it was great and then he'll say something else that's also a compliment and i'll say well why wait why what does that mean like i do the same <laughs> thing like i won't accept it unless you like write a whole paragraph on yeah. why it was amazing i need you know, a it's brief it's, text back <laughs> yeah it's weird it's weird it's it, i think it's just insecurity i think it's just you know, if, if I could just form my own opinion on something and say, that's awesome, I love yeah. it, and then keep it that way. But what the problem is, as soon as I get any sort of negative feedback, then all of a sudden I just doubt everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think it's a, I've always been a perfectionist. So sure. I want everything to be perfect and amazing. I want everyone to love me. But that's just not the case. It's just yeah. never going to be that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but it needs to be. So uh, I'm sorry. We, gotta, we, will, we have to figure this out. And yeah, there's no other way. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think mine comes from insecurity as well, uh, but I'm, I'm just too insecure to admit it. Uh, and so <laughs> I think that uh, it's definitely, it is, it is fascinating that that need for validation uh, and how it plays into attachment and whatnot. And, you know, I know one of the reasons that you moved back to Wisconsin is also, um, you know, you had this fog and you had this, this brain, uh, like I said, brain fog. And, you know, you mentioned the word kind of depression and anxiety and stuff like that. Like, how does that show up in your world? Oh, man, it's rough. And got to be honest, even a few days ago, I was in a really, really low place. Yeah. So I figured out in spring of 2020, right before the pandemic hit, that what I was feeling, because I was feeling these constant lows, and it was getting worse and worse. And I was starting to have, I don't know, I was just thinking about life and death more. I just was having ideations and it was just getting really, really, really bad. Yeah. The worst it has had ever been. I finally went into a therapist and then to a doctor and the therapist gave me the label depression. And I freaked out because I just was denying it forever. I, what'd you say? Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> like, I, like, cause like, you know, for me at that time, yeah. having the label depression meant it was real. But when I was finally able to accept, oh yeah, you have depression. It's not 
the most debilitating thing in the world. I'm sure some people have depression way worse, but this is a serious thing. You're sad a lot of the time. You're having ideations. Like, this mm -hmm. is really bad. So I actually finally decided to go on a small, a really low dosage of Zoloft, mm -hmm. sertraline. Okay. I was really, you know, not that I was anti-medication. I just, I think I didn't want to accept that I needed help. And again, like anyone listening to this, I'm not, you know, telling you to go on medication for depression. And I'm, I'm, this is just my personal experience. We're all getting sued now, Andrew. Yeah, no, you didn't. I just, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I hope you guys aren't mad I went on medication. I just was like really struggling. Therapy wasn't cutting it exercising wasn't cutting it, trying to meditate. Like it just wasn't good. So I finally went on this very low dosage because the doctor even said, this is so low. It might not help you. And I was like, that's perfect. Like start me on low. I can always build up if it's yeah. placebo and you can trick me. Like, let's just do it. <laughs> so the problem is I went on it and it usually takes two weeks to kick in two weeks later the pandemic hit. And I went back to Wisconsin. So I, I was happier the summer of 2020, the spring yeah. and summer of 2020. And so I don't know if it was Wisconsin or the Zoloft that actually made me feel a lot more stable. Yeah. Maybe it was both. Maybe it was uh, just being back in Wisconsin. Maybe it was the Zoloft. I don't know. So now I'm kind of afraid to go off of it because I feel like it's the security blanket. But Overall, I do feel like I'm happier. I've been happier this last year, which is, I mean, surprising because we are in a pandemic. Just for me, like feeling stable, because yeah. the big thing is just wasn't feeling very stable. And it comes in waves. I still have bad days. Like the other day, I had a really bad day. And it's just, oh, just like a lot of crying. And I, I can't get out of my head. I'm so existential and just kind of wondering what the point is of anything. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Like yeah, there's just I a can. lot of there's a lot of times where I'm just walking around like, why aren't more people depressed? Like what? This world is insane, especially if you're someone like me that I take in a lot of content I shouldn't be taking in, like crime podcasts, like all the horrible, <laughs> the new, just the, the news, the news in general. The news, yeah, and, right. So sometimes I'm just seeing the world as this really dark place. And then I just think, well, I didn't sign up for this. Like, I didn't want to be here. And and I know that like, sounds so sad and dark. And for the most part, I actually do feel like I'm a lot happier. Just when I'm feeling in the low, the low places, that's what I think. Yeah. And the problem is when I'm in the low places, I can't think about what it would be like to be out of it. And then when I'm out of it, I can't even put myself in the low places. So that's why it's this cycle. Mm. Now, when I now pre Wisconsin and pre Zoloft, I was this is not a commercial for Zoloft, but pre Wisconsin <laughs> and pre medication and pre medication yeah. <laughs> and pre sponsor me and pre medication. I um. I like the depressed cycles would come in weeks and there'd be like two or three weeks where I was like, I would be so bad. And, and then finally it would lift and I'd be happy for a couple weeks. Now the, the cycles just really last a day or two. So when I, when I find myself in the cycle, I just remind myself, Oh, Hey, remember this, this is fleeting. This is going to, it's going to go away. And then it does in a couple days. So I just tell myself, you just have to stick it out for a couple days and you'll be mm -hmm. good. But I don't know. There's a I have a lot more to do. I have a lot more to figure out. Even recently when I had a really, really bad day, I was thinking, OK, do I need to up my medication? I mean, I just don't know what else to do. I mean, I, I have a therapist. I eat very healthy. I just I, I just upped my vitamin D intake. I go outside sometimes when I'm not working in this cave of a room <laughs> on my futon. Uh, I'm very happy with my relationship. I'm very happy with my family. So I don't know. I just there. 
it's it's depression. That's all I can say. There's nothing bad in my life. It's just a chemical imbalance. It's something. It's something we're all trying to figure out. Yeah. I think it's beautiful that the way you said it. Thank you so much for your vulnerability, uh, Andrea. Not, not always the easiest thing to talk about or admit publicly, uh, but uh, I think you spoke about it so beautifully and also in a way that I think is important for other individuals to hear, myself included, where it's like, like, like you said, like I can get to the highs I, when I'm in the highs, I can't even think about how I could get back to a low. And when I'm in a low, I can't even think about trying to get back into a high, right? Like even those moments are like, clearly there's something else going on chemically, but a lot of times, you know, like I have ADHD um, and anxiety and like, and I, I'm hesitant to go on medication for that. Uh, and just because I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I've just, I've got, I made it this far. I could probably keep yeah. going. Um, right. And mm-hmm. you tell yourself <laughs> these stories. Um, but uh, it is okay to admit that there is something else bigger going on. It's not just like I am incapable of getting out of my own way. It's something else is in the, is in my own way and preventing me from getting to some of those places. That's what the medication helps. And, uh, and I think it's really beautiful the way that you spoke about it. And thank you for that. Yeah, I I do think that something about being back here and probably the medication, it just helps me from dipping too far down. I feel mm-hmm. like there is this a block that it, I'll I'll go down a little bit and I'll start feeling low, 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 but it can't go any further. Yeah. And I definitely have not felt as bad as I did pre-medication and pre-Wisconsin. So, you know, I want to be strong enough where I can be in any state. I can be doing anything and not have to worry about it. But I think it's just a... I'm just on a journey and I'm trying oh, to figure it out. Journey. If you yeah. have any suggestions, I mean, I know I need to, <laughs> I know I need to meditate more. I, I really am serious about the phone thing. I think that social media isn't necessarily very healthy for me mm-hmm. and I have an addictive personality. So I find myself in cycles looking up the same things yeah. or like the okay. most random Reddit threads. And I'll spend like hours like reading about some podcast drama that I don't yeah. even care about. That I don't care about. <laughs> or like, I can't tell you how much time I've spent on the bachelor subreddit. I don't even like the bachelor that much. <laughs> Why? What am I doing? It's like, I'm living vicariously through other people's drama. Yeah. So I finally deleted some apps off my phone. I deleted Reddit because I can't be spending all my time on my phone, obsessing over just things that don't even matter in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to take some active steps. Honestly, Anyone listening, if you have the solutions, let us know. Yeah, I think, I mean, I just listening to you, it sounds like you're doing so many things right, right? And I think, I think ultimately, sometimes it's also redefining the goal, right? Is the goal to never have a bad day again? Is the goal to never go into a spiral and be in a tough spot that you can't go out of? Is the goal, right? Sometimes, the goal that we set is unrealistic for ourselves so much so that the little things that we are doing to help, we never think they're actually helping. We convince ourselves that we need to do more, right? It's like, all right, well, if I meditate for 45 minutes a day and then I do yoga and it's got to be Bikram because I got to sweat out the evil toxins and then I got to go over here and, and, and bathe in the waters of this lake and then I got to eat 14 <laughs> asparagus and then I got it, right? Like, like there, you could do all of the things, Right. But at some point in time, um, we're we're paying more attention to the process than we are the journey. Um, and and it, we're, we're paying more step, more, more attention to the to the steps than we are to the overall goal. And sometimes it's 
and this is what my counselor is working out with me. It's like set a more realistic goal for yourself, right? I think, I mean, from what you told me where it was happening for weeks and now it's happening for days, that's incredible improvement, right? Yeah. And, but oftentimes we don't give ourselves enough credit, especially perfectionists, hustlers. And we're like, I got to finish the whole thing. Otherwise I didn't do anything. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think those are places where we're just not being as kind to ourselves. And kindness is a really cool word. And it's something that I apply to other people a lot and I don't apply it to myself enough. And it sounds like you're doing a little bit of that as well, Andrea. Yeah, I, I definitely am not as kind to myself as I should be. And my therapist says the same thing. She just reminds me to be kind to myself and journal and realize how far I've come. And I really have come very, very far. I think just when you have a really bad depressed day, you feel like you've regressed so much yeah. because it's all you see. And now that I'm out of that, I, I do feel like today I actually feel pretty great. I had a good day besides locking myself out of my apartment. Uh, besides <laughs> that, I, I've actually felt really good and stable and I'm going to see my sister later. And I just try to set myself up with things that I know will make me happy. I think that a, a big thing for me, and I think you're similar because you're an extrovert, is if I'm with people, I'm very happy. I'm rare. I'm not depressed when I'm with somebody because I'm, I'm actually in the moment then. Mm -hmm. It's just when I'm by myself with myself. And so, you know, cliche as it is, I have to learn how to love myself and yeah. be okay with myself. But I think that that's just something I'm, I'm always dealing with. Something I was just thinking about with you though, is, is Tina very understanding with the, the issues that you have? She because is. I think with her, uh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say go because ahead, go with, with, I was just gonna say with relationships, I think it's important that your partner gets it, doesn't make you feel bad about it. Not, I mean, obviously, I know Tina, and she would never do that. But it's just something that if you if you're someone like me and you have depression, I always have to make sure I'm with a partner that is understanding and yeah. can work with me with it. Yeah. No, 100%. And and she is, you know, I also feel in the pandemic moving to a new, a new state halfway across the country where I didn't know anybody, right? Like I have a lot of loneliness um, here and, uh, and again, the extroversion and stuff like that, right? Like I'm making friends as an adult is weird. Um, and it's just, it's all, it's all awkward. And so I've had some, some pretty dark moments um, over the past year here um, for sure. And Tina is very understanding. I think it's really important that partners, when they are in the process of being understanding, that doesn't mean I need you to take it on, right? Like, I don't need mm -hmm. you to then carry it for me. I don't need you to fix it. But it's really hard when you're someone who's with someone you love to not also be like, I'm probably part of the problem or my family is the reason why we moved to Minnesota. And so it's my fault. And here we go. And if we never left New York, yada, yada, yada. None of that is true, right? But it's it's hard to sometimes when you're when you're grasping for a quick fix because the person you love is hurting, sometimes we need to make sure we're grabbing for the smart thing uh, or, or the helpful thing, not just the it's probably me, I'm the problem and that kind of stuff. And so fortunately, Tina and I have extremely open conversation, uncomfortably open <laughs> conversations. Um, and, and we've, we've talked through a lot of that. Um, but that, that's how I would say, uh, the answer to your question. I mean, that's so crucial. I always find for me, and that's something I've recently been doing. I think I 
created so many issues in past relationships because I never knew that the moods I was going through was a result of depression. So I would just lash out, be crazy. I mean, the things I've done, that's a whole nother podcast, but like (laughs) just impulsive behaviors, self-sabotage mostly. But now I've learned, and this is all recent in the last, you know, year and a half, really, mm-hmm. I've just learned that, okay, I just need to communicate and say, you know, maybe it's a day that I'm feeling anxious or low. I just say, hey, I'm not feeling that well. And like, well is a code for I'm struggling mentally. Mm-hmm. And that's how like I've established it with my partner. And that really helps because then if they know, oh, okay, okay. So just give her like a few hours and she's probably going to be great. And usually that's all it takes. You know, like I might be like really bad. And then all of a sudden, a couple hours later, maybe a day later, I'll come out of it. And then I'm Back to my bubbly, happy self. <laughs> Yay! Everything's <Woo>! fine. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is like when I'm happy, which you know, I don't know. I hope that people don't think I'm always depressed, but I am happy a lot of the times. Yeah. And when I'm happy, it is genuine happiness. It's mm-hmm. just the only way I can describe it is it comes in waves. Mm-hmm. It's just up and down, up and down. And I just never know when it's going to strike. But I think surround yourself with people that understand with the tools and then, you know, noticing the patterns and like, oh, this is happening. It's okay. Yeah. And I always kind of say, we're just going to hunker down. We're going to hunker down. This is going to pass. And then sure enough, uh-huh. it does. I mean, it yeah. works for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and that's beautiful. And, you know, and I love that. I mean, this obviously wasn't planned, but I love that we were kind of catching you on the tail end of a bit of a funk because those are moments where we're often the most reflective. Right. And so it's so cool to hear you process, uh, you know, your humanity right now. Right. And something very human that you were going through. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's really beautiful, Andrea. Uh, and it's also makes me think, though, is that, you know, for your job, you have to grab a microphone and interview somebody. And no matter what kind of a day you're having, you got to show the hell up, right? You got to put on your, your smile, make sure your makeup's looking great, right? No raccoon eyes out here, um, right? And, and whatnot. Uh, we need to talk about the oppressive nature of makeup. But anyway, let's keep moving. Um, but the thing is, is that, uh, um, right, like you often, and also, as you also mentioned, you had to do research about, you know, different celebrities and, and different things like you'd never heard of X, Y, and Z. Right. And so not only are you having to put on a face, you're also having to talk about something that maybe you're not even in love with, right? Like so-and-so's cat or something. Um, (laughs) what is that like for you and how do you, I mean, yeah. What, yeah. What happens in those moments? Well, I, for me, it's, it's my job. So I just, just like someone who does physical labor has to do the physical work. Like it's just emotional and mental work that I have to do. So if I'm having a really bad day, I have to pull it together and do the job and show up. And it's just something I've never really had that. It's, I haven't really had that many issues because I just know it's something I have to do. I have had close calls though. I mean, uh, I remember one time in studio, this was a couple of years ago. I was a mess because this guy that I was dating in New York for a couple months just decided to ghost me out of nowhere, a full ghost 
just a full ghost, which horrible. (laughs) And I was like a mess. And I was like bawling my eyes out. And this was like on set right before we had to go live. And all of a sudden I just like wiped my tears away. And it was like the countdown to our live show that I was doing. And I pulled it together. And as soon as they said, you know, go or whatever, uh, I was fine. Hey, welcome to People Now. Oh, happy Thursday. How are you doing, Jeremy? Talking to my co-host. I'm sure everyone in the studio thought I was a crazy person. The way that I could just take the tears away as if it never happened. Yeah. But I've always been pretty good at that uh, from a young age because I've had some some sad things happen. It's probably actually not a good trait, but you know, I think I went through like a really bad thing when I was uh, 16 where I lost my well, 15, but I lost my sister. And I think I have a lot of practice at like suppressing. And so like I lived most of my like my life, like 15 on just like pretending everything was okay. Now that's not a good thing to do, but I think I honestly like taught myself how to be like, everything's okay. And like being able to compartmentalize for the time being pretty unhealthy, probably while I'm, while I'm dealing with things now later in life. But it's kind of one of those things where if you have that muscle memory of how to turn it on for the job, that's just what you have to do. Yeah. There is power in being able to compartmentalize uh, for sure. It, but with great power comes great responsibilities. Your friend of mine, Spider-Man said, um, right. And, and there is, there is that, uh, and, there is that need to admit it that I'm really good at compartmentalizing. And there are some things that I should probably take out of some of these boxes in this garage of my brain and actually see what's in there and, and figure out if that's actually the, the telltale heart that keeps beating that I can't get out of my brain and can't get out of my own way with. Um, I can compartmentalize in work, but I can't do it in relationships. So that's what's really frustrating. Buckle up, who's ever dating me. (laughs) (laughs) So I wish I could apply it to other aspects of my life, but... Yeah, I I think it's just something you have to do when you're working as a host. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to have bad days, but you also realize that your guests are probably having, they could be having a bad day too. That's why mm-hmm. I never take it personal if anyone's mean to me, because I just think, you know what, they've probably been doing this all day. Yeah. They're getting asked the same questions, just with a new spin on it. They have to play these dumb games. So I never take it personal when celebrities yeah. are mean to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, was there a, a celebrity interview that surprised you, um, where you're like, wow, this was incredible. And I had no idea it was going to be this good, this rich, this, you know, whatever, like you kind of went into it. You're like, all right, here we go doing my job. And then like, you left it like, damn, that was, uh, that was a moment. There are a bunch. One that comes to mind is the fact that I was able to get J-Lo to stop and talk to me. So it was at this award show, CFDA Awards. And the the work on the red carpet looks so much more glamorous on Instagram and on TV. <laughs> it actually is terrible because a lot of times you are just trying to scramble and get your microphone in front of their face because they're walking by. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the celebrities pass you up or they don't talk to you, but it just so happened that Jayla was going to be at this event. She was the high, like the biggest celebrity there. And my, my boss was like, you got to get JLo. But I knew it's so unlikely I'm going to get her. And 
she comes around the corner and it just so happened that the the E, all the bigger outlets than people, they were already talking to someone so they couldn't get her. So I ran out in front of her, JLo, JLo. And then I honestly blacked out because it was JLo. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I got her to stop. And I think I asked a few questions. I don't know, something about A-Rod, whatever. And she answered. I didn't even remember like what was said, but it turned out to be a great interview that ended up making headlines. And it was, it was wonderful. But I was just really impressed that I was able to be aggressive and get her to stop because something that I struggle with probably being from the Midwest yeah, I'm not very <laughs> not very aggressive Whoop, sorry let me sneak past yeah. you for the ranch yeah, yeah, like, like Wisconsin, I'd be like, oh, uh, no, never mind. Like, you go, like, not making anyone stop for you to interview, but you have to be so aggressive on these carpets. Mm. You have to, like, shout their name and be like, JLo, what do you think about, you know, and be that kind of person. Now, obviously, if you're in studio and they're showing up to you, it's different. Mm. Um, but that was, that was, uh, yeah, that was fun. The, the nicest celebrity ever is Henry Winkler. And yeah. yeah, so I interviewed him. It was actually on Zoom. I've inter interviewed him a couple times, but one time it was on Zoom and my dad was home and he's a huge fan. And normally I would never do this, but my dad, I, I brought him on and Henry loved my dad. And then he, <laughs> he sent him all these signed pictures and my dad just sent him a bottle of maple syrup because we make maple syrup on our farm. Incredible. So they have this little friendship now. <laughs> Casual. Yeah. Just sending a quick package to Henry, Andrea. Don't mind me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's such a fascinating business and you're right. It all, it all looks so much more glamorous, right? Cause the camera's only getting it from one angle, whether it's the still or the, or the video camera and you don't see the hot mess of it. Uh, and, uh, and then also, um, just the conversations that you have to have and like you're trying to find a unique way to put a spin on it because you want to be you yourself want to be memorable right that's building rapport with these clients is also really important too um and uh and so there's a lot of pressure and uh it's, it's really fun to watch you do what you do andrew well, yeah, there's just so much behind the scenes. It's yeah. fun. It's all fun, though. I mean, it's also hard working for a certain if you're working for a certain brand, they want a certain angle. And so the producers want you to ask certain questions, but the, the celebrities might bristle at that. But it's not, you know, the producers aren't on camera. So it all falls on you to make this a natural question about yeah. some X or something. So there's just been so many times where it's been really embarrassing for me. There's some YouTube clips mm -hmm. out there that should just remain buried. <laughs> 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 you got your own subreddit thread, I'm sure. Uh, uh, the, well, uh... I deleted my app, so I'll never know. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, well, Andrea, I can't thank you enough for coming and hanging out with me in the diner. You know, uh, the last time we were together in person, we were in a literal parade in New Orleans celebrating a friend's birthday party and, uh, and eating out outlandish food and uh, enjoying all the activities that New Orleans provides. Uh, and it's just so special to get to spend this time with you again. I mean, that was December of 2019. Yeah, that was before anything. I mean, we were so naive then. We were, we were. <laughs> uh, yes, happily naive though, and uh, what With a great memories. What, what a town to be naive in as well uh, <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. Well, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for our friendship and, and thank you so much for uh, wanting to kick it with me in the diner for a little bit, my friend. I appreciate you coming through. 
Thank you, James. Heck yeah, heck yeah. <clears throat> y'all, that was my time with Andrea Belke. She's an incredible human being. I hope y'all will check her out on the internet, wherever you're on social media, Andrea Belke. She may or may not respond to your friend request. She's deleting a lot of apps at this time, but uh, she is an incredible human being. And I hope you enjoyed this vulnerable, beautiful conversation. Uh, I really, I really appreciated it. And uh, I think I learned some things. I got some nuggets that I want to put into practice and uh, it was beautiful, but y'all until the next time we get to hang out in the diner, do me a favor and keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. <laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, <laughs> come on now, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.